Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. On today's show, we discuss the running time for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. We're also going to talk a little bit about some comments James Cameron made regarding high frame rate. And oh boy, this MCU controversy continues. Hello and welcome to your Wednesday edition of Collider Movie Talk. I am going to have the pleasure of introducing Roca and Vinny very soon. But first, we got to get to the call sheet. First item on today's list, of course, is the Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker runtime. Tickets just went on sale, and that means the runtime was revealed. And we have AMC reporting that it's clocking in at a whopping 155 minutes. That's two hours and 35 minutes, making this the longest Star Wars movie yet. Moving on over to this Autor director criticizes Marvel situation we're going through right now. After critical comments from folks like Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, and many more now, John Favreau is weighing in via CNBC. He's stating that Scorsese and Coppola are my heroes and they have earned the right to express their opinions. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if they didn't carve the way. They served as a source of inspiration. You can go all the way back to swingers before adding that they can express whatever opinion they like. Moving on over to some more quotes now. As part of a group interview for Terminator Dark Fate, our own Steve Weintraub asked James Cameron if he had seen the movie Gemini Man and for his thoughts on high frame rate. Cameron then explained to him that while he hadn't seen the high frame rate specifically in Gemini Man, he felt that it was more of a tool to be deployed in certain situations rather than used for an entire film. Here's the full quote. I have a personal philosophy around high frame rate, which is that it is a specific solution to specific problems having to do with 3D. 
And when you get the strobing and the judder of certain shots that pan or certain lateral movements across frame, it's distracting in 3D. And to me, it's just a solution for those shots. I don't think it's a format. That's just me personally. All right, moving on over to number four on the call sheet today. As expected, Jeff Loeb is reportedly on his way out of Marvel TV, while Kevin Feige, of course, is making his ascent towards the top. As of right now, there are still plans for a live-action Hellstrom series on Hulu, along with animated shows that include Modoc, Howard the Duck, Hitmonkey, and Tigra and Dazzler. Loeb is reportedly on the hunt right now for an overall deal elsewhere with another company. Last up, this is some handy information for you right now, a very fun fact that excites me. While speaking at Vanity Fair's new establishment summit, Disney CEO Bob Iger said that Disney Plus subscribers will get to keep the movies and TV shows they've downloaded, even if those titles leave the streaming service. But that's as long as you're still a Disney Plus subscriber. If you unsubscribe from Disney Plus, that's when you lose access to your downloaded titles. If you want more information, on this story, head on over to Collider.com. But right now, we're making a move into an interview package. This is a cool one because Roca got to speak to some of the folks that worked on Parasite. Great movie. You should check it out, and you should check out this interview. I've seen other interviews with you. You were very honored to work with uh, Song Kang-ho and, and Bong Joon-ho. Was there anything that uh, surprised you about working with them as an actor and director? I truly consider myself lucky throughout the entire process of shooting because I was one of the very first people to witness amazing acting that Song Gang-ho does. And not everyone has to have, get that experience. So I was really thankful. I, was, I felt lucky and blessed. And I do feel like I learned a lot as a person but also as an actor. Song Gang-ho, I ask you, what excited you about the themes or the symbolism in the movie, because obviously we have class warfare, rich versus poor, but also so much more happening beneath the surface on both sides. Did you in, find that so enriching to read when you were uh, encountering the script? Personally, I think this uh, piece is very ambitious one for uh, director Wong Jun-ho. On the surface, this is a uh, conflict between the rich and the poor. Mm. But in a larger picture, this accommodates the entire human race, the history of it. That we, we fight, and then we, we, we reconcile, and then we fight some more. So we're still struggling. I think the, uh, the whole movie is, is trying to encompass the entire theme mm. like that. All right, it is time. It's panel time. Hi, Vinny. Hello. Hi, How you guys doing? Hello. We got, we got a Good. birthday boy on the set today. Not yes, me. Son, I made it. Birthday made it. <laughs> Another year, I made it. Wait, 21, 22? Yeah, 22. It's, ah, you can finally drink. You can finally drink of the year. It's got, I got liquor in this thing. Exactly. Let's talk about it. We're, uh, we're celebrating. How are you celebrating today? Uh, uh, today Other I'm working. working. To, well, working, but I'm very happy because I'm He's getting to this. interview William Fickner and Kim Coates today for the Deep very Cut. Cool. William Fickner, who's on... Armageddon. So it's my birthday to interview a guy on Armageddon. Amazing. Very happy about that. But then a birthday dinner tonight that my girlfriend set up, which is very fun. So cool, here we go. Cool. That's nice. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. And Vinny, I don't want to leave you hanging. It's not We're my birthday. Happy to have you it's here. not my birthday. But I'm still very happy. I'm today, still though. very happy to be here talking yes. about Star Wars right on. on Collider Cinema Talk. Smart man, though, wearing that shirt because we're going to roll right into our first panel topic of the day: the runtime, yes. Star Wars, right the rise of Skywalker. All right. I, 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 
And there we go. And laugh my way through the beginning of this conversation mm-hmm. because yeah, it's the longest Star Wars movie, but we did just have conversations about the length of Avengers Endgame of um it chapter 2. Those were extremely long movies. We're also having mm. it with the Irishman. Does the runtime here mean anything? No, uh, <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, it's, it is interesting that it's the longest Star Wars yet because it is, you know, they, they are ending a saga. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how I felt about when Endgame announced its runtime. I was like, well, of course it is. Of course it's three hours. They have to wrap up so much. But when you look at the history of Star Wars, the runtime does not indicate anything. I mean, when you look at the whole list, I think Empire is second to shortest. It's mm-hmm. like 124 yep. minutes. And I think, like... All this, all the prequels are over 140. So I, I mean, it, I don't. I, depending on your ranking of the Star Wars movies, they, they, there's no way to tell how good these movies are based on the runtime. Yeah, the only thing the runtime really indicates to me is this is the the tightrope they are walking because mm-hmm. it's gonna putting it this long means the expectation here is that you're gonna wrap up everything. Whatever your feelings are about uh, The Last Jedi, certainly Adam Shipwood from the dot-com loves it. Other people don't. And so it's a balance here. And will they be able to get it right and wrap up the things that we have complaints about throughout the new version of Star Wars? And, of course, you're wrapping up the Skywalker saga. So will you wrap that up correctly as well over nine films? So there's a lot here uh, that they have to do in this two hours and 35 minutes. Me, it excites me that the runtime is long because I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to go sit down and have a good time and see what they can do with this. And I enjoyed it on Endgame. I didn't mind it on It Chapter 2. I thought it actually should have been longer, in my opinion, for different reasons. Uh, so this just makes me excited that JJ's trying to shove everything in here, solve it all, and move on. Yeah, I think at this point, I, the more time, the better. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. have so many individual characters in play mm-hmm. right now between wrapping things up for, you know, whoever from the original trilogy mm-hmm, is right. going to play a big part in this, all the new characters. And, and it's like even characters that were first introduced in uh, Last Jedi, like Rose. Yeah. Like, what, what's up with Rose? She has to have a valuable point in the story, too. There's a lot of people in play, a lot of big deals happening right now, and I think that the, if, if anything, the longer runtime is encouraging to me. I feel like the, the bigger story would have been if they were like, it's an hour 35. I feel like that's, that's, like, that's, the, that's when this stuff is news. Like, I remember when they announced like, the Dark Tower runtime, oh. and they were like, it's like an hour 20. We'll fit yeah. the whole saga in there. And that was news. Really. It was like, well, that's not going to be good. Like, a longer runtime doesn't really indicate the quality. Because, like you said, mm-hmm. we're, just, we're coming off of an It Chapter 2 that yeah. was two hours and 45 minutes. And I think they could have fit more into it. Yep. And it, it just it depends on the filmmaker. And J.J. Abrams is... He's wrapping up what he started two movies ago, and I think he wanted to take his time with yeah, it. Yeah, and I think you bring up Scorsese, Perry. This is an interesting point, because I think Departed is about 10, 15 minutes too long, but three and a half for somehow Irishman works. So it all depends on what you do within that runtime. And you felt, and you said, like, three and a half hours went like this. I'm going again soon. Yeah, see? It's all just about the idea of what you can do with the time you have, and can you, can you make it uh, full? But I think the sign you take from this, if you're a Star Wars fan, is... He's trying his best to get everything in there, wrap it all up, so you guys can be satisfied. Does it mean anything to you that we're getting a runtime this far away from the release? Does it encourage you at all that Mm. the cut is likely locked now? I mean... The thing is, I I think everybody, this this news story is because of the ticket sales going on, go, yes. the ticket going on sale, and that's the runtime. I said I don't know if it's guaranteed that they're not that that the runtime is locked. I I, I think I think mm-hmm. he was working on Force Awakens 
late. He was yeah. working. And I also, I think Ryan Johnson, same with The Last Jedi. They were working into the process late. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know if it's going to be an Irishman situation where, you know, it changes from 210 to 209. But <laughs> it is possible. It is possible that, that, that it'll change a little bit. But, I mean, even then. I mean, we know the runtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know the general the general idea of how long the movie is going to be. And, and I think it fits pretty nicely into the expectations. I would have been happy with three hours. I'll be honest with you. I'd have been okay with that because, look, you're introducing this new Red Guard. You're introducing this, these new characters into the, into the saga. You're bringing back Lando, who hasn't been seen yet. You've got all this stuff going on here that you've got, and all these different uh, lands or, or planets, rather, and galaxies they're supposed to be going to. So to me, I would have been happy for, with an even longer runtime, to be honest with you. Because if you're going to wrap it all up, I want to sit down and savor it. I mean, I, the thing was totally. I was kind of expecting. I was kind of expecting three That's hours. Yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like is what this I year of cinema has been conditioning us for yeah. it. Yeah, great point. One yeah. movie after the yeah, next. Like, yeah, uh, with it chapter two. I, like, I think two years, a couple of years ago, I would have been like, "Well, that's way too long." But I was like, "Well, yeah, that's what you got to do these mm-hmm. days." And with this, I was like, I almost was like two hours thirty-five. That's a little short, and and like to to to, yeah. to think that because you know with Endgame people are writing about like when to go to the bathroom and it was like this huge deal that there was going to be a marathon of a movie. With this, I was like, all right, that's pretty ma- like that's manageable. Like I can the, do the two bathroom hours issue. Admittedly, even though I've seen it, is still intimidating with Irishman. Three and a half hours yeah. is a lot. Yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> I'm I'm a little a little panicked for my next screen. Well, people- I'm afraid I got lucky the first time around <laughs> with not needing to get up and use a restroom, and it's gonna come and get me the second time. Well, most around. people are gonna see it on Netflix. They, it, they yeah, can pause and go to the bathroom. Part of the reason oh, right, why it's, it's suitable for that format. Um, what's the status of ticket sales right now? Has anybody else reported in? But Adam tickets. It's- Adam mm-hmm. tickets is claiming that it. it made or uh, beat the Avengers it's Endgame It's very record. strange to me that it's just Adam tickets, because yeah. that just means it's the biggest in Adam tickets. That's part yeah. of the reason is, why I haven't really covered that Yeah, movie that's why we didn't yet. cover it on, on the website, because it was, because like, the, you know, the headline would be like, it's destroying Avengers Endgame, but it, it's only coming from Adam tickets if, like, Fandango chimed in. Right, If right. AMC chimed in, that would be a different story. So at, yeah. it's, it's a very strange thing there where they're saying that it's beating Endgame by a lot, but no one else is saying it's beating Endgame at all. Which is making me think that it is not beating Endgame on other services, because otherwise we would be getting the Fandango press blast Mm -hmm. right now. But just so you guys know, Adam is reporting that Rise of Skywalker sold two and a half times more tickets in its first day of pre-sales than Star Wars The Last Jedi back in October. And I'm looking for the, the Endgame stats right now. Um, Rise of Skywalker has turned out to be the second first day bestseller for mobile ticket retailer Adam Tickets behind this year's Avengers Endgame. Well, I also think if you're Adam Tickets and you're competing with Fandango and Mm -hmm. you're trying to get a share of that market, you want to come out the gate quicker with your story about it breaking records on our site, blah, 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 because it gets people to go to Adam and possibly yeah. take a look at that. So Fandango doesn't have to do that. You see that, you see that story. Everyone's watching You see that story them. and you're like, oh, no, I, I have to get tickets. Right. You go to Adam tickets. You go to Adam, yeah. Like, I, I, mean, so, yeah. I mean, just personally, I, it was like really easy to get <laughs> Star Wars tickets. I, it, it took like... It, I just went right through, and I was like, well, yeah. Star Wars so is obviously canceled. And even with this report, for first day, it's second behind Endgame, and it only beat Endgame in its first hours. Last night, Adam reported that Rise of Skywalker set a first-hour record for the retailer, selling 45% more tickets than Avengers Endgame in its first well, I'm hour. Sure, but, I'm sure it's selling a lot of tickets. Yeah, I, I, feel, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like the way we're talking about it, we're like, this movie's not selling any tickets. And it's also, you know, how many times have we covered this where there is an urgency to buy tickets ASAP, and mm. that doesn't necessarily 
necessarily translate to the biggest box office ever opening mm. weekend. I think you Solo really never was know. also, that was, it was, yeah. Yeah. I think it was, people were like, oh my God, it's breaking all these records. But I think they were just selling fast. They yeah. weren't yeah. selling a lot. Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't, just like the runtime, it doesn't really translate into, there, there's no causation there between yeah. one thing and the other. And we mm. talk about it with box office all the time. There's a million and one factors in play at any given yeah, yeah, moment yeah. leading up to release, you know, weekend two. There's, there's so many factors that could up or, uh, mm-hmm. or lower a box office number. So yeah. we got a lot of time to go before Rise of Skywalker hits theaters. And we're going to keep covering every single stitch of it as we get to that release date. Right now, though, we got to talk a little Avatar. So... We read that first quote briefly at the very beginning in the call sheet, but James Cameron was asked about using high frame rate in the Avatar movies, and it was a very interesting conversation. Just to continue from what we read earlier, I know Ang doesn't see it that way. I don't think it's like the next 70 millimeter or the next big thing. I think it's a tool to be used to solve problems in 3D projection, and I'll be using it sparingly throughout the Avatar films, but they won't be in high frame rate. But I am curious to see what they came up with. After that, I believe Steve went on to tell Ang Lee that when he saw that technology used in uh, Gemini Men, what stood out to him was the underwater material. And then Cameron said, well, this is the thing. To me, the more mundane the subject, two people talking in the kitchen, the worse it works. Because you feel like you're in a set of a kitchen with actors and makeup. That's how real it is, you know? But I think when you've got extraordinary subjects that are being shot for real or even through CG, that hyper-reality actually works in your favor. So to me, it's a wand that you wave in certain moments and use when you need it. It's an authoring tool. First off, you both saw Gemini yep. Man, right? Yes. What yes. was your take on the use of high frame rate in that movie? Uh, I completely agree with the idea that it does not work when it's two people just sitting in a room. I mean, it, it, you really do feel like you're just watching two people act. Like, I, I don't. I, it's, it's almost hard to describe because it's such a new thing, but it makes you so hyper aware that you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Like it, you're so hyper aware that acting is happening in front of you. Like we've, we've all done interviews. We've all like sat in a room with celebrity. It's not that interesting to just see <laughs> two celebrities just talking to each other. It, it, it makes it, it, it somehow it's weird because it's hyper realistic, but it ruins the suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, it's like, it's too real. So in that sense, yes, but it, it is also interesting that avatar is like, the one thing where I'd be like, yeah, of course I want to see the high frame rate. I want to see James Cameron's creations in these, this, this hyper-realistic way. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I feel like I'm kind of you know singing the same tune that I did with 3D, where every single high frame rate movie I've seen, I just think to myself, you know, I don't understand why this choice is making this movie better overall there Mm -hmm. are certain things that i can isolate like in my opinion the best stuff that was in gemini man that was done with high frame rate is when you have big landscape shots i think the detail pops a little more and it looks Mm -hmm. beautiful and there were you know there's certain other techniques like the slow motion the Mm -hmm. use of slow motion in that movie done in high frame rate looks beautiful otherwise i think it it ruins the suspension of disbelief and i've said it before it kind of cheapens the look of the movie it makes Mm -hmm. it feel like a soap opera maybe if soap operas and that format didn't exist at all we'd all be like oh my god it's like we're in this room with these people now but the fact that that's out there and that's already a specific style i feel like that's kind of throwing me off and it's you know it's it's hurting the like the cinematic effect of a movie to a degree i hear what you both are saying 
and I absolutely respect you both <laughs> and your points of views. But I, as a cinephile, a massive cinephile that I am, I know I'm on a lifeboat because I'm one of those cinephiles who actually loves this high frame rate. I have it on my television. I love when I watch Citizen Kane that I, it looks like I can put my hand on Orson Welles' shoulder. It's insane what they're able to do. I totally get the look of it, but the thing is I've already appreciated these movies in their original format. So to see them in a new approach is fun to do. And to see it in Ang Lee's film, in Gemini Man, I agree, the kitchen stuff, what he's talking about, but I'll be shocked if two people are in a kitchen having a conversation during any of the Avatar films. So I think I think Vinny's right in this way that I'd like to see the whole thing be high frame rate. But Cameron is smart. Cameron knows I only need it for this because in Gemini Man, the best uh, usage of it is, uh, you said, Perry, the landscapes and also the action sequences. That whole firefight in the convenience store, wherever that was, near the end is incredible in high frame rate for me. And so it makes it feel like you're actually in there experiencing what is happening on a visceral level, and that's fantastic. So to me, I think Cameron's got the right approach here. The high frame rate is going to be for probably the action sequences, maybe the underwater stuff, not the more regular stuff where they're having conversations or, 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 or whatever. So he's, he knows how to use it correctly, whereas Ang Lee was using it as a new tool for an entire movie. I think he understands how to use it right, even though, like Vinny said, I'd love to see him use it for the entire movie. As someone into that style, yeah. I'm curious, where, where do you draw the line? When do you start to miss, you know, the like the texture you would get from film? I don't, I don't miss it. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't. I think it brings uh, a new way, a new element to enjoying a film in this way. And I think it's not like 3D, where 3D is like, and it went away twice now. I think high frame rate is these uh, uh, directors who love technology pushing it. And that's where my mind is. Anything that's an advance, a technological advance in film excites me to see what you can do with it. Can I still, but you can still watch it in 2D. You can still watch it without it being high frame rate, right? Because I mean, a lot of these theaters who are carrying Gemini Man do not have Mo- the technology. Most of the theaters. Right, so you <laughs> can still enjoy the movie in a natural way, mm-hmm. but the high frame rate really brings out the possibilities of what you can do. And I think as we become more and more like on our phones, on our these, all these things that are, uh, you know, the retina was one of those things as well. The, 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 those things kind of advance how you view, how clearly you view things. Logically, you start to mess with a more clearer point of view as the technology increases. So you're going to lose some of that down the road. And I saw the, the, the thing with Avatar specifically, though, to me, is like if we're not, if, if, if these movies aren't going to delve into the future of technology, right. why, 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 yeah. why are we doing it? Why are you making fun? Because I don't think the story of Avatar is what made it the biggest box right. out like the story was it, we've all seen ferngully we we know we know the story <laughs> we, we we knew the story going in it was the it was the advancements of technology that people yeah. were like i need to see this on a big screen so if, if james cameron doesn't one-up himself in in the technology every time it's like why are we doing five of them i they they have to they have to bring you to the theater each time and i don't think just going back to Pandora is going to get people into the theater. Yeah. So are you any more excited than you were? Maybe, well, I mean, you know, maybe I, I went like... from like, <laughs> like the lowest possible excitement to like, hmm, well, I feel like it's just been so many years since the first Avatar movie came out where my mentality has been, I mean, really, who mm. cares? We've been talking about it for so long. They keep getting pushed. But for whatever reason now, maybe it's because James Cameron is in the spotlight a little mm-hmm. more, maybe because of uh, Terminator Dark Fate. But yeah. something about it is starting to feel more tangible to me. And I find myself getting more curious and than I ever have. If there's anybody that I 
trust. It's like James Cameron. Like yeah. I, I, I don't know. He goes away for a while, and he just comes back, and he just he's like, oh, I reinvented cinema while I was gone. <laughs> yeah. and also, I like de- delved to the bottom of the ocean, like on my free time. Like, give he, me my billions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we're like, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and we give yeah. him his billions. It, it, it's it's like we forget. J- who James Cameron is when he goes away and then he comes back. He's going to come back with Avatar 2. We're going to be like, who needs it? And do then you, we're going to... Do you think that that might not be the case, though? Do you think Avatar 2 is going to come back and it's going to feel like the next big thing I all think over the, again? I think the problem is they haven't really told us why it's... Di- like all, he's, all that James Cameron has said is that it's going to revolutionize 3D, mm-hmm. but he hasn't really... For, he hasn't really like followed up on that. And it's like, I believe you, but... We already went through the 3D thing. It's like, how much more can 3D be 3D? It is interesting to think about the fact that Avatar 1 came out peak 3D, where mm-hmm. it was like yeah. the hot thing that everyone was doing. And yeah. now, like, who, who does uh, 3D formats anymore? I mean, do you two ever choose to see a movie in 3D? Choose? N- no, not necessarily. Um, but certainly enjoy them when they're done well. Like, Real D invites me to their stuff, and I go mm-hmm. and see it in 3D. Because I think that Real D technology is better because mm-hmm. you can sit anywhere in the theater and it feels like you're sitting in front of the screen as opposed to some of the other IMAX stuff where if you go to the side, it can make you uh, uh, sick. So I, I like that. But overall, I don't usually go first to see something, something in 3D uh, other than, like, Avengers. Like, that's fun in 3D. Or The Martian is absolutely gorgeous in 3D. Um, and I'm trying to sell my 3D TV, so that tells you how much I don't want to be a part if of it. If anyone's yeah. interested, he's trying to sell <laughs> yeah, No one seems to want to buy it. I've had it up on offer up for you 500 bucks. you buying yourself a new TV for your birthday? No, I already did. I was just trying to get rid of this <laughs> old one. TV, you know? so so, yeah, I've got three in there. i got to get rid of one of them. So it's like that to, to me, that's the thing. Just it's like The technology is done uh, in, in that way So because people don't want to necessarily go yeah. and see. And there's not enough event films that take advantage mm-hmm. of the technology for you to go yeah. see. I think Alita, Bat- Bat- Alita yeah. Battle Angel is like the last movie movie where they were like you gotta see it in 3d right. and i think i did see it in 3d and i was like this is like the end game of like the popularity of yeah. 3d it's just feel like, like that's fine alita wound up doing semi okay but it, like avatar is on a completely different level yeah, no, so 100%. so many years later do you think that the appeal of like we're revolutionizing 3d like has it lost some of that you know momentum to get people in the theater to see the next thing I think the momentum has been lost through time because when you bring up Avatar, people are like, like it's not even socially relevant anymore. I think when the Avatar 2 like hype train ramps up, it's going to be one of the most interesting conversations out there. I think, I think, yeah. I think it's going to... Like right now, I do not think Avatar 2 is on anyone's mind outside of like what is this going to be i think i think they're going to like release a still or like a 10 second video and it's and i do think it's going to be something that we're like okay he did it again yeah. and if it's not that then that's the other that's the that's the other the flip side of it if they release uh footage from avatar 2 and it's like fine it looks like avatar 1 i think the hype will be dead. I, I think that's that's the danger of it. I thoroughly agree with you, and I, but I think what you said earlier is true too. You can't doubt Cameron because you know he's going to come don't, back with something. Don't doubt Cameron. And and the thing is, like, okay, uh, oh, this again. 
you say that, but then he comes back and it's like, oh my God, this, I didn't know it was going to come back with this. Damn, like we saw a Scorsese, oh, another gangster film. Oh my God, this. So it's just like some, some of these directors, they know exactly what they're doing. And when they step back into a uh, style of their film, that a style of films that they're known for, they can really impress you all over again. Cause like Vinny says, you forgot, you forgot. Cause it's been a while. You forgot. How you about know? James Cameron? Don't, <laughs> yeah, don't exactly. I'm genuinely uh, very record. excited to see this conversation evolve as we mm. get closer to finally getting another Avatar closer to movie. 2021 is that when it okay. comes yeah. out uh-huh. the first trailer will tell us everything I think oh, I'm true. pretty eager for that alright let's move on let's move on to uh, some other directors out there who uh, might hold hold uh, tight to their visions and what they want. But before we even get to that MCU debate conversation, we've got some stuff to tell you about on the Collider Video YouTube channel. Oh, look, Rumor Mill is coming up today and I might be on it. Here's promo. What's up, Collider Video fans? Josh McCuga here. I'm the host of a brand new show on Collider called The Rumor Mill. Now, we're live every single Wednesday at 2 p.m., but we're live on the Collider Video Twitter. So you have to subscribe there if you want to interact live with us. If you want to throw in some rumors of your own that we want to incorporate in the show, you have to tune in live. Now, you can watch the show on YouTube later. But again, if you want to watch live with me and three panelists getting rowdy, giving points to each other, and just yelling rumors, you need to tune in live on the Collider Video Twitter, 2 p.m., every single Wednesday. What's up, Collider fans? Ryan Satin here from ProWrestlingSheet.com, where you can find the top stories throughout the week in the world of professional wrestling. If you're a wrestling fan like myself, then you'd be doing yourself a disservice by not checking out all the shows we do every week on YouTube.com slash C slash Wrestling Sheet. In particular, on Wednesdays, we've got a SmackDown recap show hosted by John Roca and myself, where we pick apart and, and talk about every little thing that happened on the blue brand. So do yourself a favor and go subscribe at youtube.com slash C slash wrestling sheet. All right. You guys ready for this one? We're going it. back to the MCU debate because there are more <laughs> filmmakers out there talking about it right now. I actually really liked what John Favreau had to say, but before we get into the meat of the conversation and the quotes that are out there, I'm just curious, do you guys think we're going to have to keep covering this for a really, really long time, or is this going to stop? This is the only conversation we will have <laughs> until the sun burns out. This is the, the, and, it's, and it's crazy because it, it's sort of like the perfect encapsulation of like fandom in 2019 mm-hmm. is like I have this opinion about the most popular movies ever, and someone is like, how dare you have that opinion about the most popular movies ever? It's just like, we're all, we're, it's like an argument where we're defending the most powerful thing in the world. And, it, and it's, it's, it's just sort of the perfect way to sum up talking about movies in 2019. Hmm. I think where it rubs me the wrong way, and I don't want to go as far to say, like, oh, like, I like Marvel movies, so if you don't like Marvel movies, we should, you know, ban your movies from existence. I just don't like the sentiment swirling around out there that X movie is of a higher quality or more valuable or better suited to, like, the title of being cinema than this movie. I think that's the whole thing that's going around right now that I find upsetting. I think we all need to respect each other's taste a little more, but just because your taste lies somewhere doesn't mean that this is not worthy of being called cinema. I hear your point of view, but exclusivity is kind of inherent in judging. So FYC does not go, let's put the latest Adam Sandler film for 
for an Oscar. Like it's just those you have exclusivity because certain well, films. Well, because the latest Adam Sa- actually. Well, I'm just saying. The funny thing I'm is, I'm gems. 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 have that exact okay, conversation. So I'm Billy, like the Billy Madison stuff, but I'm saying the, the inherent. Excuse in- me, <laughs> you didn't make your argument any better with that. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, just start over. Jack, start, and Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill. It's his birthday. Leave him alone. I'm an old man. No, I'm grooving the world. No, I'm just saying like inherent in cinema is us judging what is quality, what isn't, what's the AFI top 100. That's just inherent in cinema. So I, I get the argument that we should just allow people to enjoy. And absolutely, you can enjoy and love whatever you want. I also think these are directors that have a right to say what they want to say. Why do you care? Like, why do you give a crap? Why does it bother you so much? I don't understand that That's because the- you're it's like, I don't know. To me, it's like, it's just their point, their point of view. Their work has already been created, but their work is not going to affect other work from being created. It bothered, it bothers me more. So I don't necessarily think that Martin Scorsese, you know, not being a big fan of Marvel movies is going to stop Marvel movies from right. being made. But, you know, he's one of the best of the best out there. He's one of the most famous directors we have. And, you know, when you have the opportunity to talk into a microphone and have your vo- voice heard more so than other people, yeah, you can kind of change the tone of a conversation. So I think that, you know, maybe the way to express that point is, hey, they're not for me, but they could be for you. But it's you, just the uh, fact that some of these quotes have been so not cinema, cinema. And what? yeah, maybe you've earned the right to say certain things that others haven't, but that's a little extreme. But I also, yeah. I feel like a big part of... At least Martin Scorsese's point. Uh, Coppola coming in and calling him despicable was was a little extreme. Different. But, I mean, that's but, but Scorsese, yeah, that, he's just, he's, he's, a, he's a grumpy man. Yes, <laughs> but Scors- I think a big part of what Scorsese was saying is that because these movies are such a big part of the 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 current filmmaking industry, it's hard for other people to make movies. I think that's a big part of his. Like people are like, oh, leave Marvel movies alone. But he's saying like, I I still want to make movies. He had to go to Netflix, who just you know hands out mm. money mm-hmm. to make his latest movie. And that's Martin Scorsese mm. with Robert De Niro and Jeff. Like he, 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 that movie in the past would have gotten greenlit immediately. Now Martin Scorsese has to go to Netflix to get the money he wants. I think a big part of his argument is I, there should be room for other movies too. Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of like the... We just want we just want space. He just wants a space in the conversation. I almost wish that it was articulated a little more closely in line. Well, I'm with much what... more articulate than Martin Scorsese. Oh, yeah. I, feel, I feel like oh, I feel, I feel, I feel like what? Just I, I, I feel like that was that's been established. I, uh... That that is a point that I can understand, and I can understand why that stance watching, might have Martin, driven him to have said something like this. I think uh, my issue comes down to the fact that somebody out there might really like a certain something and by someone of a certain status saying a certain something about that thing it can make you feel bad about liking something that you like and that is just in general something yeah. i don't like it's to the tolerate. natural it's the natural reaction it's the natural order of things though. which is which is just a very unfortunate thing that i think we're dealing with right now more so than ever which is why these sentiments upset me maybe more than they might have. I, and i hear your point like, once again i hear your point yeah. of view i also think though that i'd rather have marty react honestly what do you actually think? Don't sugarcoat it. Don't put it, make it nice for everybody to consume it. Tell me what you really think. Great. You, that's what you really think. Now I know how to take you. 
Coppola, of course, as Vinny said, grumpy old man. He's been a jerk since the 60s <laughs> and 70s and well-documented numerous books. Uh, and watch that Hearts of Darkness documentary uh, <laughs> to really see him in pure form. And so there was no surprise that he said despicable. He's been sitting on a winery for the last 20, 30 years. He's not in the game still like Martin. Martin's taken the hits. Martin has had some of his films not do so well. Some films be now touted as Irishman. So he's had to take the hits while Coppola sat back there. So I thought even less of Coppola's comments. I think Scorsese was making a larger point about films that uh, uh, Jennifer Aniston made recently, that uh, 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 Ethan Hawke made, and a couple other people made recently as well about this idea of superhero movies consuming. But it's also a mentality or narrative that they're creating. It's not like there's 20 superhero movies that are just destroying all these independent films. No, it's like it's four. About that. It's like four or five a year, no, six a year. I think it like when you start to account for multiple studios and now also with the... Uh, you know, uh, feature film size Disney Plus yeah. shows coming and if you up. Count I, I think just it, like it, those Disney, are almost Disney exactly what you just said. Like but those are coming. Disney Plus stuff isn't coming onto. It's not, but the screens. It's not, but I think Neither that's still Irish, going man. to have a big effect on the box office. You think the, so? You think that the, the, these larger blockbuster movies are really like, like uh, well, there's so many. It's, of the, it's, it's the fact that the, the, their budgets Marvel. are gigantic. Like the, the the fact that these Disney Plus shows have these massive budgets. It's mm-hmm. just it's just the idea that like this is what Hollywood is making. This is where the money is going, right. and there's just, just no room for Martin Scorsese to make a three hour movie anymore. But I also I also think an interesting part of the and this is why I really liked John Favreau's quote yeah. is like. I I disagree with the idea that Marvel movies are not cinema, but like, am I going to tell Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola that their opinion is wrong? Like, it, it, people are saying that oh, this snobby opinion, this snobby that's autism, the mischaracterization like, that I take issue with. This is Martin Scorsese. It's it's kind of reminds me of the the conversation after the new Tarantino where it was like, oh, do you think Bruce Lee might have been a little cocky? And it's like. <laughs> Wouldn't you be? Wouldn't you be if you're Bruce Lee? Like, if you're Martin Scorsese, whatever you say about movies is, like, probably at least a little, right? Like, he knows he knows yeah. what he's talking about. Yeah. So, like, agree with him, disagree with him, love Marvel movies as much as you want. Martin Scorsese, of all people, even, even, even if he can't articulate it correctly... Is um, I think he did, but I think he did. No, he, he did. said totally exactly what looking, he wanted to say. Looking at one of his quotes right now, I feel like I would be singing a completely different tune if you just took out the part that that it's not it's not cinema. Mm-hmm. But that's but, his honest opinion. Don't yeah, you want I mean, his honest opinion? It regard it's your responsibility why? if words hurt but, you. But I it's don't care what someone's filmography is. Why is Martin Scorsese the one to define cinema? Because he I has mean, defined cin- cinema for thirty. But it's kind of like the it's kind of like the the that 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 advice about. You know, writing an opinion piece. You don't have to put "I think" before it for it to be your opinion. He, he he's not saying. I, the first thing is he didn't just say this. He doesn't have a Twitter. He didn't just go. Well, I, he wasn't just like. He was By the way, I asked, hate Mark. Somebody yeah. asked him, yeah. and he offered his opinion. I just feel like he. That's the thing. The takeaway people are are getting is like. Why did Martin Scorsese define cinema like, like that? And it's like he just—that's his I feel definition. Like we have the of same cinema. conversation, though. We often have it yeah. with with horror movies, and I feel like anybody mm. who goes out there and boxes horror movies into a very specific type of definition, I think that that can have an effect. It can have an effect on producers greenlighting other movies out there. It can have mm. an effect on whether or not someone is open to seeing that movie. Mm. So I feel like when you have a voice as loud as his, you need to wield it in a way where it doesn't 
doesn't one make someone feel bad about something they consider cinema, but also doesn't necessarily close the door to things that aren't in line with what you're my going question, to say. My question is, do you, do you think Martin Scorsese is aware at all of this conversation? <laughs> I, like, I, I, like, I, no, I, I, I think sure he doesn't know or he just gets asked the question. He's like, well, I don't think it's cinema. And then he just completely goes away. Like, I don't think Martin Scorsese is aware of what he's done at all. And well, he, he doubled down on it when they asked him about it. Because people keep game. asking him about right, because it. He because we care. have to ask if, him about if it. If he's aware, he's... I think it's for that reason alone. It's just because, you know, the, the sad truth of it is if you're sick about, if, you've heard, if you are sick of hearing of this conversation right now, I feel bad for you because it's not going to stop. Yeah. And it should, and look, this is, it would be no different. We get, people determine what is literature to us versus what isn't. Right. Every single medium that is entertainment medium that is an entertainment medium has a distinction between what we think is should be celebrated versus what we think is just good populist fare. And there's nothing wrong with that, because if we start to eliminate what is then then awards mean nothing. Uh, judgment means nothing. Not. Lists mean nothing. And that that I don't think that makes any sense. It's all different. Websites. Some websites are considered good websites. Some websites print clickbait articles just to stay alive. Those are different. So you have to distinguish what is great versus what isn't. But it's also subjective. So to Martin, that is not cinema, and that's okay. To you, it can be cinema, and that's also okay. It doesn't matter. It, in yeah. the end, I don't think it matters. It's one of those conversations it, it, where, like, you had me until you said it doesn't matter because I do think yeah, it matters. That's I don't the thing. It, there's, there's just it's one of those conversations where, like, at the same time, like everyone's right and everyone's wrong at like right. the same time because it's sure. in the, at the end of the day it's just people yelling their opinions at each other yeah. and it's like no one is wrong but like everyone is wrong by the way, the way they're going <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it's the nature of the conversation we yeah. have right yeah. now with just about everything whether we're talking about movies or pretty much anything else out there in yeah. the world <laughs> or we, we could just stop asking these directors what they think like that like the conversation could end if we just but it's not it, it's gonna i feel like every day i wake up and it's like this person is somebody weighed, else someone has weighed in on the debate i feel like it could just i mean even to the point that an older quote is being brought back Pedro, into the mix Pedro, today Pedro, Almodovar. This was your job. Uh, Pedro Almodovar. Exactly. There you go. uh, That's exactly how I would have said it. There's some old quotes resurfaced where he said superhero movies aren't sexy enough. And it's like... uh, They are not sexy enough. Exactly. You could just speak for me. Um, That adds to the conversation because it's like, okay, true. (laughs) That's that's true. But like, that's not the type of movie they are. And then the, the flip side of that is like, well, why isn't it the type of the movie they are? Why don't superheroes have more sex scenes? And it's like, it's a never ending thing about what you think the definition of a good movie is. I don't know if he means, I don't think he meant sex scenes. Sexy, he meant like, just overall, yeah, like just slick just and cool over, and interesting. Yeah, no, I think he meant like, no, the, general horn, meant, like yeah. the general horniness of superhero what? movies. It's not up to the par that, that they should be. Which I sense. kind of, you know, I, I, you know, I think... Oh, wait, wait. For the record, I have yeah. I have the quote here. Yeah, let's let me see. not. Yeah, not, we should not, not misquote. Yeah. This all right. So he, <laughs> he told Vulture, "There are many, many movies about superheroes, and sexuality doesn't exist ah, for superheroes. Okay. Okay. They are neutered. There is an unidentified gender. The adventure is what's important. You can find among independent movies more of the sexuality. The human being, <laughs> the, the human being has such Agreed. sexuality. Agreed. I get the feeling that in Europe, in Spain, that I have much more freedom than if I worked here. Agreed. Make the event just hornier like it's like it's like just a, it wouldn't even be that big of a change they're already all so attractive just it's make them like, like one make an r-rated movie but maybe they'll do that it doesn't have to be explicit just you know just and, make it a 
That's just, America's ass. Exactly. Yeah. We had the Hulk. We had the Hulk Black Widow thing, but it really didn't work. So they've tried to do that. Was like anti. Like that. They like did a. They, they tried to have like a relationship, and it was like anti-sexy. I it was like this Deadpool. Is, Deadpool was sexy as hell with him and Marena uh, Baccarin. Their characters. That was at, that was at Fox. Yeah. Uh, I feel like now that Disney is is. We're just right. gonna see. We're just gonna see a downgrading of horniness over this. <laughs> just as the years go on, superhero movies are gonna get less and less horny. Pedro Almodovar is going to be yeah. angrier and angrier she with the movies. the boys. The boys was kind of sexy at times. The boys was kind of sexy. Yeah. It also like, was kind of gross at the same time. Yeah, true. Trying to manufacture like a, a feature headline or something grabby out of this conversation because th- there's something here. But we're going to move on because we have to save we a couple minutes for your live chat questions. <laughs> the family show. All right. I'm mean, going to kind of spin the roulette wheel here because I didn't, uh, I didn't look over any of these. Uh-oh. Oh, I just see a Roka thing. So I want to bring up birthday stuff. Uh-oh. Haskell 420 said two related questions for Roca. Okay. Question one, what was the first movie you were brought to for your birthday? And two, what is the first movie you wanted to see for your birthday? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's a great question. I think I was brought to my birthday. The first movie was Pinocchio. My mom took me to see uh-huh. Pinocchio on one of those reissues in the 70s. Uh, no, 80s. I mean, in the 80s. Uh, I don't remember what movie. I can rem- I know that I go see one cheesy movie on my birthday or a birthday weekend every year. Last year was Hunter Killer, and it was awesome. All right. That's all I'll some say. Good, some good yeah. birthday movies in the mix. Do you do birthdays, birthday movies? Benny? I do, yeah. I have a December birthday, so it's usually a big one. I remember, Ooh, nice. I remember every year, or not every year, whenever they were coming out, I would go see the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm. That was the first one I can really, like the first Fellowship of the Ring movie I remember going to see with my parents my birthday and being like, I want to do this every year. And they're like, these aren't going to come out every year. <laughs> I was like, well, that's stupid. But... That is the first one I remember being like, I, I, I would like to make this a tradition. It, it is kind of special when a franchise delivers a new installment on that same, roughly mm. the same date every year. Because I had the, that kind the of The Rise of Skywalker comes out on my birthday. By the way, just oh, just nice. so yeah. just so you're all aware of what you you <laughs> should be doing. We know what Vinny's going to be doing for 155 minutes on his birthday cats. now. Going to see cats. <laughs> oh my I, god! I, I really want to see will be, cats. I will be in the next theater over seeing cats. Yeah. My franchise was Hunger Games for a long oh, time, nice. and I quite enjoyed that. But this year it's going to be Frozen too. All right, oh. next question <laughs> from Riley Jack with Maleficent underperforming at the box office. Do you think Disney will get cold feet about Cruella about the Cruella film with Emma Stone and drop it on Disney Plus? I hope not. Nah, Emma's a bigger draw. Sorry, that's the truth. Yeah, Emma's I, a bigger draw I, than Jolie right now, and I think, okay, especially on the hills of the surprising uh, Zombieland overperforming. So, uh, too. I so I think know. I think it'll do. I just I, I just she I don't think she brought that crowd in though. I I'm starting to uh, lessen the value of name draw in a lot of the movies yeah. that oh, I will, do. A Will Smith movie just for. tanked. Will Smith used to be like the dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just feel like, but also with Maleficent, like was anyone. Like super pumped for Maleficent too. Like I, Clearly the, the first movie did really well, but it's kind of the the a much lower level Avatar situation where it was like a flash in the pan, mm-hmm. and but a year later, no one was like, "Where is my Maleficent sequel?" Yeah. It was just like I saw that and it was, it was fine. It's been a long time between the two movies, and also we were in a completely different type of landscape yeah. back then too, mm-hmm. where this was Maleficent. The first one was one of the first Disney live action adaptations. Yeah, now people it had hype around it for a million different reasons. But that's also kind of not great for Cruella either. Yeah. I mean, people are people are like, "Do I want to see the live action version of this movie?" and mm-hmm. I 
I, they released that one image, and it looks like they're at least doing something interesting with it. They're, it's, it's not. It, <laughs> I don't know. The face, I mean, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but at least they're not just like, here's the movie in live action. They're doing that, sort of like a weird punky thing yeah. with that it. That image to me is more along the lines of like, let's let's sell like calendars to benefit a charity <laughs> wow. and have what a charity? different actor in a famous Disney oh, film okay. role. Sense. Like, no, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it, it, was like a little a cos- cool, it was a little cosplay. Yeah, it looked like a cool I image, but I don't see how that translates to a worthwhile Corella movie for I'm a sorry. full feature. I'm sorry you all have to hear these two grumpy people talking. <laughs> how Cruella, is, as Cruella is not cinema. These are two Glenn Close standards. <laughs> I don't believe, I don't believe so. that Cruella is cinema. It's a movie. It's for uh, the masses. You never know. I'm I excited feel, for it. She's young. Like it's interesting. Once we get to see more than an image and it's a teaser yeah. trailer or something like that, and maybe if there's you know a little nugget to the story that's a little something different, but that I do could think tell me I do think it. it's an interesting question uh, whether they'll dump it on Disney Plus because. I think that might start to happen. Mm-hmm. I, if, if these if these live action remakes start doing worse and worse, I don't I don't remember how the Lion King did. I think it didn't do was it did really well, but it wasn't like the smash like world breaking hit that people thought it was. What? I think if we see like a, a bit of a, a downward slope, they might just start ending up on Disney Plus. Lion King this made one point yeah. six five billion, billion worldwide, so I do think uh, it was. A, I think it was a uh, financial yeah, smash. Never mind. Hit. I think that if the movie was better received, uh-huh. that it could have been even higher oh, than yeah, that. Sure. Yeah. Plus, and during the awards conversation, mm-hmm. so I think there was a degree of disappointment there, mm-hmm. but. You know, I, I think the better example might be, you know, something like Dumbo. Like, yeah. you have Dumbo, now you have Maleficent. Wow, yeah. And if if I think these things trend in that direction more so than not, then we could see the risk of them going to Disney Plus coming into play. But also, I have a feeling that someone like an Emma Stone has contractual obligations to ensure mm. that movie gets seen on the big screen and isn't just relegated to streaming. Who is, who's directing writing Cruella like who's behind the scenes on Cruella very good question that I'm going to answer for you in jo- oh it's Craig uh, Gillespie okay okay I like yeah, him so it's it's like a it's interesting pro- yeah it's not a, it's not he's not going to bring people to the theater yeah. but it is like a it's not like a, a no-name project that happens to feature uh Emma Stone it's it's right. it, it, I think it'll it'll make a little buzz but i do think there's like tears to the live action disney product like when the lion king out people like they're doing the lion king but then there's like the lower level ones like dumbo and Mm. 101 dalmatians that people are like i liked that movie as a kid and maybe i'll go see that like the lion king was like an event you're like oh my god everyone was lion king i feel like aladdin was kind of like that well i think that movie overperformed lion king also got the bump from the fact that it was a huge cinema innovation too yeah the the idea of seeing that story told with realistic looking animals that was a big deal i think and cruella doesn't have as high of a bar mm-hmm. to to cross as uh, Melissa too did because yeah. of his expectations. Well, this also you goes know. back to a conversation we were having yesterday yeah. on Movie Talk where we were talking about movie budgets. So the Corella mm. thing is a smart move to me if you don't spend $185 yes. million dollars to make mm-hmm. the damn Absolutely. thing. Well, I mean, that completely changes shouldn't. the course of the conversation yeah. we're having. And I think they also already already moved one. The, the, the Lady and the Tramp movie, yeah, which should not be a live action film. <laughs> Every time I write about that movie, I'm like, what do I make the headline? Because I am not writing live action dog romance. That is not like that's like always my first. Oh, it's the live action dog romance, and I'm like, I don't want that to be on our website. It's just it's the, the idea of that movie. Not surprised it ended up on Disney Plus, but I think that was originally supposed to be 
uh, a theatrical release. I'm not I, sure about that. Vinny, what is wrong with you? The dogs, <laughs> the dogs can be sexy. <laughs> the, the, the dogs can be nice. <laughs> it can be sexy as a Disney. Um, oh, no. I don't <laughs> How about a Gaston? I would love a Gaston uh, a live action. That like would a be live fun action Gaston. in a Disney Plus uh, format. I think that would work. And the pressure on that would be way less That could be sexy. As well. That could be a horny right. movie for Disney. That could be a horny movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Do, do we bring back uh, Luke Evans for the Gaston role? If he would love yeah. to come back, I'd love to have him come <laughs> back. Good. Especially right. what happens, well, because he dies, obviously, at the end. of But, but what was the Spoilers. prequel? What turned Gaston into what he is yeah. now? If we can explore a all those, eating all those eggs. Like, nobody eats that many eggs yeah. a day. What was the eggs thing? What was that all about? Answer my question. We got a winning idea right there. Spend $200 million on it. All right, we're done. Another happy birthday to Mr. John Rogue. I hope you have a wonderful day. Happy, healthy birthday. Celebrate. All right, Benny, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Now, Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. You guys rock. Thank you so much for your help. As always, do not leave this video without liking and sharing it. Pencil in Movie Talk tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Pacific. You got a brand new episode coming your way soon. But right now, make your way on over to Collider Live. They kick off at 10 a.m. Pacific. See you soon, guys. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa Online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.